In this episode, I'm going to discuss how it is just you and there are no psychological concepts that are actually real in reality. I'm also going to give you my own brand new, you heard it here first, psychological concept. My hope is that you get a clearer understanding of yourself and maybe an idea of the next step of your own stuck knot journey. My name's Justin Sinceri. I'm a licensed marriage family therapist that thinks the world needs a very new understanding of mental health. Welcome to Stuck Not Broken. And I think with this episode in particular that there's definitely more of a concerted effort on my part to be more clear about that new understanding of mental health that I really want to things to I want things to be more structured and more clear for you in, in how you conceive of these things for yourself. Uh, by the way, this podcast is not therapy, nor is it intended to be a replacement for therapy. So this is a letter I got from a polybagel 101 student and one of our fellow stuck knots. Uh, I made up a name here, and I was actually, I went to this place or this website called behindthename.com, and they give you a made-up name plus some backstory, so I thought that was kind of cool. So this is from Sighild Lisa, a 65-year-old Austrian woman. So this uh, email came to me, which I thought was really interesting, and I think it's a, it's a much-needed conversation that we need to have, or at least a monologue on my end. And you can do with it what you will. Feel free to write back to me, justinlmft at gmail.com. All right, so Sighill says, I listened to a podcast you were a guest on. It's called Complex Trauma Recovery and ended up buying your course, Polyvagal 101. I got through the first part of the course, but I'm a little confused. I have a limited understanding of psychology or whatever the proper term is. And I'm getting caught up in how all these systems and ideas fit or don't fit together. So we're going to get more detailed, but yeah, this stuff is confusing. It's, it's very confusing. Uh, building safety anchors in particular, let's break up my courses. That's about increasing the strength of your vagal break. That's about increasing distress tolerance. Polyvagal 101, that's about learning the biology underneath our mental health, what really drives our mental health. And how something called the polyvagal theory, the science, the biology, how that connects to trauma and gives a clearer understanding of trauma. But I think what sh what uh, Sighield is referring to, and they get to it later on, is that there are other psychological concepts that come up, uh, and they, as well as modalities and whatnot, that um, just kind of float around. They just kind of they're there. Concepts of reparenting, concepts of ego, concepts of having parts or, or child parts, uh, concepts of what else is big? Oh, shadow work, shadow self, true self, authentic self. I'm going to call these psychological concepts. These things don't actually exist. They're not real. These are concepts. These are ideas that stem, that come from the uh, soft science of psychology. These general mental health ideas fit into the polyvagal theory because polyvagal theory is not specific to mental health. So I, as a therapist, do not lay claim to the polyvagal theory. It, it crosses professions. It's, the, it's biology. It's not specific to the field of psychology, and it is not specific to the practice of therapy. It's, it's science. Polyvagal theory is science. It's the foundation to other professions. 
So it can be incorporated into other professions. I'll keep it general. So the question then becomes how to connect these other psychological ideas to the polyvagal theory, or how do they connect to the polyvagal theory? How do those intersect? How does the science of the autonomic nervous system, how does the science of connection, uh, mammalian connection, how does the science of defense, how does that connect to things like ego and shadow self and whatnot? So what, where's the intersection there? That, that's a really big question that uh, Sigil is, is referring to. They go on to say, I'm looking to take courses like yours, but I'm reaching information overload. I've been studying attachment theory, abandonment issues, been doing CBT and EMDR and therapy, and I've heard about inner child healing, shadow work, somatic therapy, and I'm sure there are hundreds of ideas I have not come across yet. And yes, you are absolutely correct. There are many, many, many ideas that stem from the field of psychology and the practice of therapy. There are many ideas that don't necessarily build on each other and don't necessarily have a clear intersection. I think all these things as a group have an intersection with polyvagal theory. Uh, well, I'll get to that in a little bit. There are a lot of concepts that come from the field of psychology and the practice of therapy. And this is not a problem. It is a problem. It's also not a problem. I think competition's good. I think having competing ideas is a good thing. But as consumers, as potential clients in therapy, uh, you, we need to be aware of and search for what clicks within us. Now, it's tricky because I don't expect the layperson to be able to differentiate who is a valid expert and who is not because we're not all valid. Well, as human beings, we are, but our ideas are not all valid. Our ideas are not all substantiated. Our ideas um, may not work for everybody. And I think I'm going to have some opinions in this episode that, that, that do not work for everybody. I'm going to be really clear about how I think about this stuff, and it's not going to work for everybody. So I may be an expert on some level. That doesn't mean my ideas will click with you. So I would really encourage people to to identify what clicks for them, what person or what personality, but also what ideas just kind of have a pull rather than assuming that every expert out there has some valid ideas and then trying to make them all work. It's completely okay to say yes to some things and no to other things. So for, for me personally, I am not interested in these psychological concepts that I laid out. Parts work does not interest me personally or as a therapist. Reparenting does not really interest me, the concept of it. Uh, shadow work, ego work, this kind of stuff, it just, nothing happens within me. If anything, I'm maybe a little bit irritated by these ideas. I feel, I think, that these take us one step away from our inner true felt sense experience. To me, these add a cognitive layer that is generally not necessary, but at the same time, for some people, for, for many people, absolutely can work. And having these concepts may act as a container to their dysfunctional, not dysfunctional, um, dysregulated autonomic state. So rather than being in this constant panic, maybe we'll say, 
having that psychological concept of a part of me feels this way and a part of me feels another way and that they can somehow interact. Which actually, that concept by itself is not a problem for me at all. I, I think that that's how I work in therapy a lot is that we do have these somatic feelings, sensations and experiences that do interact and can interact. So that works for me. But then to say, well, one of them's a firefighter and one of them is a child or something like that, that's where it's like, well, we, we don't need that extra level of cognition in general. But for some people, that may actually help them to contain whatever pain they're going through. That may help them to contain that dysregulation that they have going on inside of them. So for me, I wouldn't search out someone that thinks in these ways. That I wouldn't, that would not help me out. And the coach I was working with, she had brought up shadow work and I don't know if she noticed, but I kind of rolled my eyes. It's just, I just don't, I bring, get me a step closer to what I'm missing. Get me a step closer to my true felt sense or felt experience in that moment. That's what I'm looking for personally. But, you know, having these competing ideas is not a bad thing. Uh, Having competing therapeutic modalities, I don't think is a bad thing. But you have to look at what sparks something within you. I personally am not very interested in EMDR. Uh, I personally am not super interested, interested in CBT either. Something for me, like somatic experiencing, that would interest that does interest me a lot more. That's that's just me. And for me, somatic experiencing is a direct, it gets me a lot closer to my direct felt experience in that moment. And and that's completely okay. And it has nothing to do with like I'm I'm has no reflection about their success rate. It's just for me personally, it does not pique my interest very much at all. But also do keep in mind that, you know, when you're looking for a certain modality or you're interested in learning about various modalities, what works is not the specific therapeutic technique, the modality technique. What truly works is the therapeutic alliance. That is the heart and soul of therapy. If that's not there, other things like bilateral bilateral stimulation are not going to go very far. And if you think about it this way, but let's just take the therapist out of it altogether. Do you think having bilateral stimulation through an app would be helpful? I don't think so. I think you have to have the co-regulative uh, piece there. You have to have that trusting, safe relationship with the therapist. It has to be there in order for the other techniques to be helpful. All right, they go on to say, I've been diagnosed with ADHD, anxiety, CPTSD, depression, but like you mentioned in the podcast, I'm not even sure if the diagnostics are really that meaningful or even accurate. And in my opinion, um, I don't have a whole lot of stock placed in diagnosis. Uh, when I hear someone tell me that they've been diagnosed with whatever, I'm like, okay, uh, what, help me understand. Because first off, people self-diagnose way too much. It, but even let, that, that's, that's a whole other thing. But even when another therapist diagnoses, uh, I need to know why. I need to know what they're seeing because I may see something completely different. And there are some diagnoses I don't even use. Well, I don't use anything right now because I work the places I work. I don't have to diagnose, and I, I really like that. And in my private practice, I don't diagnose. I don't see the function of it personally uh, when it comes to the work that I'm doing currently. There is a function to it on a professional level as a communication tool between uh, professionals. Uh, that's but that's not what we're talking about here. 
But yeah, when, when it comes to diagnosis, as far as polyvagal theory is concerned, these disorders, quote unquote disorders, we can understand these as a dysregulated person, a dysregulated autonomic state, and how that shows through cognitions and through behaviors and through things called behavioral adaptations. We can see, uh, in the lack of sociability, uh, we can see that this person, this client in front of us, is a dysregulated autonomic state or a stuck state and not a disorder that is somehow just kind of there. So as far as diagnosis, for me, it doesn't do much for me personally. I often disagree with diagnoses that I see. And not just me, but if you've ever been part of a treatment team, well, maybe you haven't, but for the therapists that are listening to this, if you've been part of a treatment team, you probably know people disagree regularly about diagnosis. Two therapists can see the same behaviors, the same history, the same context, and come up with different diagnoses. A psychiatrist and a therapist looking at the same diagnosis or same context, same behaviors will come up with different diagnoses. And there are potentially multiple people involved in someone's treatment. I've been in treatment teams where we have psychiatrists, a therapist, a family therapist. There's someone doing parenting skills. Uh, We have a nurse case manager. So there's a whole bunch of people that are putting their, giving their input. And maybe only a couple of them are really doing the actual formal diagnosis, but a whole bunch of people will have different thoughts as to what the diagnosis should be. And this is based on the same criteria. It's supposed to be objective, but in reality, it's just not. So yeah, that's just some of my thoughts on diagnosis. I I think there's some serious issues when it comes to diagnosing. They go on to say, is polyvagal the best place to direct my energy? Are there other theories or resources that you think are essential to learn in congruence? I'm going to break this down into four domains, which is foundational knowledge, uh, helpful knowledge, psychological concepts, and therapeutic techniques. So the first part I want, I want to go into is, is helpful knowledge. So understanding things like attachment, like abandonment, that's important. It can be very helpful in gaining insight and understanding, in reducing, in reducing judgment, reducing shame, just having a new narrative, a new concept, a new understanding. Can be, can be very, very, very helpful knowledge. Learning about attachment can be something very helpful for applying to your own life. I, I think it's very important. Uh, I don't think it's enough on its own, but it's a very helpful foundational, or it's a very helpful piece of knowledge. I would say that understanding psychological concepts is potentially helpful, but less important because these things are not true. So Things like a shadow self. There is no shadow self. That is not real. That is a psychological concept. And I'm, I'm being very clear with what I, how I think about this. You don't have other parts. That's not true. Well, I do want to be clear also when I say that there are no parts within you. I'm, I'm not referring to dissociative identity disorder in particular. Um, I'm more referring in general to the phenomenon of parts work um, that people are, are really into right now. It's, it's very, very popular right now. So that's what I'm referring to. I am not referring to to DID. Uh, There is no ego. There's no such thing as ego. I mean, it's a concept. It's a concept. It's an idea from the field of psychology, but there is no ego. And quite honestly, uh, trying to define that amongst various professionals would, would probably sound different. 
So understanding psychological concepts is important or can be important, but it's less important in my opinion because they're not real. It's not a real thing. Um, And they're not true. You don't have an ego. But you could take these and apply them to yourself and that can act as a metaphor or a reframe. And that can help to uh, reduce the intensity of a dysregulated state. So it has a function to it. Learning these top-down, these are ideas that we tell ourselves. So it's like a top-down narrative. And so having a new narrative, a new idea, even through a metaphor, that can be helpful. Uh, I don't think it's essential. And it's definitely not enough by itself. And the next thing I'm going to go into is doing specific therapeutic techniques. It's important, but like I said before, it's not as important as the therapeutic alliance. So it is something. It, uh, therapeutic techniques do help, absolutely. I definitely have a grab bag of stuff that I go to very often. But if I did not have a, ther- uh, a good enough therapeutic alliance with my clients, I don't think that would be helpful. Things like uh, reframes, cognitive reframes, can be very helpful. That's a technique, a CBT technique in particular. Uh, talking to an empty chair, that could be helpful, sure. Reality testing, uh, practicing listening and communication skills, maybe even bilateral stimulation, all these things and a ton more can be helpful, but they are not sufficient on their own. They have to be done in the context of a solid therapeutic alliance. And if not, um, basically you're left with, you know, a workbook. And I don't know, I don't think these techniques are powerful enough yet to really be delivered through an app or a workbook. It can, it can be kind of helpful, sure. But um, not having a therapeutic alliance, I think, would be detrimental to <laughs> the practice of therapy, personally. Otherwise, you, you could put these things into a workbook and you're all set. Now, polyvagal theory is different. And this, in my opinion, this is foundational knowledge. This is essential. I think this is extremely essential. It really helps to define what it means to be human or, or the, the experience of being human or a mammal. And I think it gets us closer to, and this is something I've played around with, but I'm not ready to talk about yet, but it gets us closer to understanding consciousness or the experience of consciousness or the shifts in consciousness or what feels like consciousness, I guess. Or it feels, see, I, I don't even know what that means. It feels like consciousness. I haven't defined what consciousness is, so it feels like a loose concept of consciousness. It helps us understand danger, reactions to danger. It helps us to understand our connections and disconnections. So in my opinion, this is far more important than understanding or learning psychological concepts about ego and reparenting and parts work. Far more important. This This knowledge, I think, it really gets to the heart of who we are and is normalizing, it's validating, it's a new narrative, but it's also a deeper explanation. And and it's something we can build on. It's something that we can use, especially when you combine the idea of the polyvagal ladder, which is a metaphor. It's a metaphor for the biology. So when you bring in that concept, that gives you a, a roadmap, another metaphor, but that gives you an idea of, of what is going to come next and maybe even what you could do next. I, I think polyvagal theory in particular, I would call that foundational knowledge. Understanding attachments, 
understanding abandonment like they like they said, I think it'd be really, really helpful. I don't know if it's as important personally as understanding polyvagal theory. And part of understanding polyvagal theory, I think, blends easily blends into attachment, co-regulation. So that's kind of a piece of it anyways. But you know, learning just attachment is a lot and can be super helpful. But that may not get to that doesn't address a stuck autonomic nervous system. It doesn't address address the autonomic nervous system. It doesn't address you know why you may have difficulty with uh, connecting with people. It kind of does, but polyvagal theory I think takes it just that step further and is foundational to having a deeper understanding of attachment personally. So in my opinion, that's the starting point. In my opinion, that is the starting point for doing your own work, I guess, or even as therapists for how we conceive of and how we deliver our services is, do you understand polyvagal theory? Do you understand how that connects to trauma? Like to me, that's essential. That is absolutely essential. And if if you don't know this, if you're a therapist and you, have, if you don't know polyvagal theory, I have a course called Polyvagal 101, which is where this question stems from. It's two hours. It teaches you exactly what you need to know about polyvagal theory, the bare bones essentials in depth, but structured, clear to the point because it's really academic. It can be very difficult stuff. So you have to have someone that really gets it and can deliver it in a way that makes sense. Uh, polyvagal 101 on justinlmft.com. Uh, plus, I also have the free resources. I have episodes 101 through 109 of this podcast. I also have my free ebook called Trauma and the Polyvagal Paradigm on justinlmft.com. I have a ton of stuff about this. All right, so they go on to say or to ask a really important question, which is, are these other ideas in conflict with the polyvagal theory? And no, I don't think they conflict. Uh, but the question is, how do they connect? And I've kind of already said so, but these are mostly top-down reframes, narratives, metaphors that can help to contain a dysregulated state. So these can help with state regulation. It's a top-down, big brain to brainstem signal of, we can understand this. This makes sense. We can understand this. To me, that's that's the deepest it goes. Uh, Maybe it can help having that reframe, having that metaphor. Maybe it can help you get to the true experience that you're going through. So maybe having, thinking about yourself as different parts can help you to actually feel what it feels like in your body to have those different parts, maybe. But in reality, there are no other parts. This is a top-down reframe. This is a a new narrative. It's an idea. It's a metaphor. Uh, There is no shadow state. There are no parts state, as far as I know, for the different internal family family members. That's not a thing. Uh, that may get you closer. It could get you closer to your state by regulating enough and then looking inward. So it may act as a container that allows you to look inward. In my opinion, and what kind of disinterests me is that it's an added cognitive layer. And on top of that, this relies on an expert who is giving wisdom. So it relies on an expert who has this breakthrough of, oh, I've discovered this thing about shadow selves and i've discovered this thing about parts and egos and child selves and true selves and authentic selves and let me bestow my wisdom that because no one's finding this stuff in a lab there's no blood test about your parts 
there, there's no urine test about ego. It, these are concepts. They are made up. I'll make one up right now. All right. You, you've heard it here first. Let's make, I'll make one up here. All right. So this came from a real therapy session and I am saying, Hey, I discovered this thing. We're going to call it, it's, there's even a therapeutic modality. All right. We're calling it puzzle completion therapy. The idea here is that you have a completed puzzle self and you're just missing a piece, maybe two, I don't know. You're just missing a puzzle piece to become your completed, authentic puzzle self. Now, you, you, you need to identify where the missing piece is inside of you. It's, there's a missing piece inside of you somewhere. It is there. And if you do a body scan, you might be able to notice, oh, there's a piece here where I don't know there's something missing, or maybe it feels like a pain, or maybe that feels like emptiness or a void or something like that. So you might feel like something's missing. And the technique here when it comes to puzzle completion therapy, we don't go straight at the, um, the pain. We don't go straight at, you know, maybe a, a feeling of emptiness because that, that could be too much. Like we don't, so we don't go straight at it. Uh, we don't really address the, the pain head on. It's not the first thing that we would address in therapy. So instead, just like a puzzle, what we would do is we would address things on the outside edges. You know, like when you do a puzzle, you start on the outside, right? That's the easiest. That's, that's, the, that's where you can do the most uh, and maybe the shortest amount of time. You start on the edges and then you gradually work your way in. So it would be things like, no, you know, not the direct trauma right away, maybe not that pain, that void, whatever it is, you, you know, the, the real deep stuff that you're going through that you need help with. No, instead, what we would do is focus on external things like uh, for the, in this specific situation, I was talking to a teenager and that teen, that student did not want to focus on the inner pain quite yet. And they said, let's work on or we agreed, let's work on the, th the things that might be easier. So let's just focus on school. Let's focus on getting schoolwork done. So for you in puzzle completion therapy, that's, that's what we would do. We'd have to focus on the outside stuff, the things that are more manageable, maybe like sleep schedule, uh, maybe things like uh, diet. And these are all, these are, these are challenging. I know that. So we'd have to figure out which is the, which is the ones that are the most manageable that we can begin to work on that outside edge and then work our way in. And then, so we would work our way toward the middle pieces and that would be like the trauma, the stuck defensive state directly. That would be attachments, abandonments. All those things would be toward the middle of your puzzle self. Now, of course, this would not be limited to uh, therapy. I'd have to have also a coaching component. So puzzle completion therapy will be available for coaching soon. And we're going to call that puzzle uh, completion coaching, PCC. And there you go. You got a brand new psychological concept along with a therapeutic modality that sounds, <laughs> it sounds like something, right? Or close enough. So, hey, there you go. We, we, we made one up. The scary thing is, if I did not obviously make this up and, and really fleshed out the concept, I think I could sell this. I actually think that people would be like, oh, there is a puzzle piece missing. That exactly fits what I'm going through. I personally don't see how that is less plausible than saying, yeah, there is some sort of shadow self. I, I, that's, that's just me. 
All right, so uh, if, if you're interested in learning more and more about um, puzzle completion therapy, <laughs> just let me know. Email me, and I'll, I'll uh, have to make something up for, for you, all right? All right, they go on to say we have a little bit more here. I Or they say, is polyvagal the best place to start, or are there other things I need to master before or alongside? I do think it's extremely important foundational knowledge. I think it's a great place to start if you're asking, why am I like this, and you're ready for new information. Uh, when, when I work with clients, if they're asking why, I say, hey, I got an answer for you. Um, if they're not asking that, if they're not, if they don't want to learn about biology and stuff, they just want to stay, you know, in their thoughts or they want to get closer to those somatic feelings, but they're not, they don't really want to spend the time learning about autonomic nervous system. I don't blame them. That's okay. So if you're asking why and you're ready for it, I think this is the place to go. I do think after that or along with that would be somatic, post- somatic focused things. Uh, but really, we want not just body stuff, but things that also are comprehensive of thoughts, feelings, sensations, and maybe even more than that. Maybe even spirituality, if that's your thing. So there's other domains that I think are very important, not just the somatic by itself, because it's we're a whole person that all these things co- uh, connect. Okay, so I would really encourage you, if you're going to go the somatic route, don't just look for like dancing and singing and breathing those are all really important really helpful but there's a lot more that goes around, around, along with it somatic experiencing something i've spent some time looking into it seems fantastic seems like a great option if i was going to go back to school and be certified in anything that would probably be it what i would recommend and this is why i have my two courses i would really recommend first learning polyvagal theory i have polyvagal 101 plus a ton of free stuff that you can even if you don't want to buy the course i have a ton of free stuff you can, you can learn about polyvagal theory Following that, if you're doing some self-work, I would really encourage you to do building safety anchors, which helps you to identify safety and to really ground yourself in your safety state and not to address the, not not to go directly at the pains, the, the stuck defensive state. I don't think it's helpful to go right at it. Uh, I do think it's more helpful to ground yourself in safety first. And the last chunk here says, honestly, I'm just really overwhelmed. And yeah, I don't blame you. I'm really overwhelmed and heard you give a little pushback on inner child work on the podcast. And I hope with this one, I hope I'm very clear on on my thoughts about this stuff. I think it can be helpful. For me personally, I'm not really into it. Um, I do think it can be helpful though, but these are concepts. These are made up just like my puzzle thing. I made it up. It's not a real thing. You don't actually have puzzle pieces missing inside of you, but maybe it feels like that. So maybe that would... uh appeal to you. I don't know. Anyhow, I thought I would ask which ideas are the most valuable. I, again, I think polyvagal theory is extremely valuable. I feel really behind and it seems that polyvagal is the best place to start, but I feel like I'm dipping my toes into a little bit of everything and not really retaining a lot of info. Thank you again for your work. It's succinct and easy for me to process. I just worry. I don't know how any of this works. I hope that that was a pretty comprehensive look at how things work, how they intersect, how they connect. Polyvagal theory is the underlying foundational knowledge, the science for how we are the way we are. I think it's foundational. Uh, Things like learning about attachment is extremely helpful knowledge. I think it's very useful. Psychological concepts can be very useful, but they are metaphors. They are narratives that are made up, that can help as a top-down state regulation avenue. So hopefully that makes sense. These things 
don't necessarily conflict. But yeah, it's totally overwhelming. It can be very overwhelming. Uh, but you're you're welcome though. You're absolutely welcome. I do validate it's it's overwhelming. I don't think you're the only person who feels that way. Um, I do hope this was much clearer for you. Thank you for being a part of Polyvagal 101 and for the um, the message here. And for you, fellow stuck not, thank you for listening. I do hope you've learned something new or maybe have some ideas challenged um, in your own process of getting stuck unstuck. I felt like I just you know I want to be more transparent about some of the stuff, and I think that there may be some pushback. These are I don't think me saying, hey, this is made up is going to help uh, my relationships with my peers <laughs> and also pushing back on diagnosis. I, I don't think the same way as everybody. I, I don't. I, and I, rather than tiptoeing, I feel like I need to be transparent. And if that works for you, awesome. I would love to hear from you. If that doesn't work for, for you, I, I don't mind hearing from you either. Um, so I hope me being much more transparent was helpful for you or intriguing. And uh, if you're one of my peers and you hate me, that's okay. Uh, Anyhow, I do have a ton of resources and a couple of courses on my website, justinlmft.com. There's free PDFs. There's an ebook, blog articles, YouTube videos, courses. There's a lot of stuff. Anyhow, uh, bye. This podcast is not therapy, not intended to be therapy or be a replacement for therapy. Nothing in this creates or indicates a therapeutic relationship. Please consult with your therapist or seek for one in your area if you are experiencing mental health symptoms. Nothing in this podcast should be construed to be specific life advice. It's for educational and entertainment purposes only. More resources are available in the description of this episode and in the footer of justinlmft.com.